0: Our top story this morning a double homicide in downtown Tampa. Two men were gunned down in the lobby of the Saint building. Now to our other the story happened during a riot. Castle building, is alive back in Tampa. You may remember Castle's the FBI agent.
1: In certain extreme situations, the law is inadequate. In order to shame its inadequacy, it is necessary to act outside the law to pursue punishment. Frank Castle is dead. He died with his family. I leave this as a declaration of intent, so no one will be confused. Those who do evil to others, the killers, the rapists, the psychos, the sadists, you'll come to know me well. Call me the Punisher. Welcome to the Now Playing Punisher Retrospective Series. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Part of the Now Playing Marvel Comic movie series. This is over. You're dead. Hosted by Jacob. I've got more guns than you do. Stuart.
0: He's a very scary man.
1: And Arnie. He's
0: killing someone and where next?
1: Join us at NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a new installment of this series. I've documented every murder that fit his profile, and I've collected intelligence on all known associates. And keep coming back as we continue to look at all the Marvel comic book movie adaptations.
0: Welcome to the Punisher Task Force.
1: Be warned, the guilty will be punished, and the listeners will hear detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. He's gonna fuck your life up. He already fucked my life up. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Mister P,
2: happy hunting. Today we're going to have some fun, reviewing The Punisher, starring Dolph Lundgren, Louis Gossett Jr., Nancy Everhart, and Kim Miori. If I recommend this, will I be in The Minority? Directed by Mark Goldblatt. Can you imagine that? I hope you hear what I am saying. I'm Arnie, <laughs> co-host of Now Playing. <laughs> it took a beat for me to get
3: that joke, but uh, yeah, Shakes, you're you're pretty good. Uh, Stuart in L.A.,
0: I still talk to god sometimes i ask him if what i'm doing is right or wrong i'm still waiting for an answer and until i get one i'll be waiting watching the bad movies must be punished so <laughs> jacob
3: put on some damn pants <laughs> why are you gonna sit in a sewer with no goddamn
2: clothing on
3: you deserve every skin disease you're about to get
2: Isn't that the thing, though? I think Arnold started the movement of muscle men showing off their well-toned asses.
3: Yeah, it had to happen. This movie is definitely enamored with that first Terminator movie, but come on now. It's the goddamn
0: sewer, (laughs) all right? I thought it was because the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had become so popular by this time.
2: But at least they had a half shell. (laughs) (laughs) They were heard some modesty. So we are back in the four color
3: pages of Marvel. Nowhere I'd rather be with Dolph Lundgren doing a Marvel retrospective.
0: (laughs) I'm excited. This is right where I want to be. I guess if
3: Wesley can't be out of jail. All right, let's do it, people. (laughs) Punisher. Now, I got to say, I'm pretty much a newbie on this. I am aware of this movie. I've seen maybe bits of it on cable. Never the whole thing, and I have seen bits of the Thomas Jane one as well, but I don't really know what the character is. My one defining thing about the character is that he has a shirt with a skull on it, and that's not even in this first movie, so I'm confused. Jacob, I know you can help me out. Tell me a little bit about the origins of the Marvel character. Well, here's the core
0: of the character. Vietnam vet, family man, home from the war, they're out in the Central Park in New York, A mob hit just happens to be going down and his family is caught in the crossfire and they're all murdered. And after that, he takes on this mission to punish evil, puts on the black shirt with the skull, picks up some machine guns and just starts killing everybody. That's bad. I got into comic books when Tim Burton's Batman came out, and I started going to the comic book shops, and every teenage kid is like, you got to pick up the Punisher. That's where it's at, because it's just a dude shooting gangsters. <laughs> it's that simple and that beautiful. What year where are we talking about? 70s is this first appearance? His first appearance was actually in a Spider-Man comic, Amazing Spider-Man number 129, 1974. And he made a few more appearances in Spider-Man. He started appearing in Daredevil. I mentioned in the Daredevil retrospective that in the comics that they were always these two differing sides on the same mission, you know, to punish evil. But the Punisher was willing to take it to death, whereas the Daredevil wanted to bring about justice. And in 1986, he finally got a five issue miniseries and it blew up. He became popular. You had the punisher you had the punisher war journal which was the much more violent in the marvel universe still but it was willing to go further you even got i believe it would lasted 10 issues it was the punisher armory and it was just the pictures of guns with like the punisher's thoughts about guns it was basically you know (laughs) if they had blogs back then it was the punisher's blog like to get a sample of this the controversial Glock 19, the famous plastic gun, the only controversy should be how such a smooth firing and innovatively designed pistol got maligned so quickly. Like it, this was a comic about guns, about how great guns are for teenage kids, wow. 80s, magical times, the 80s and 90s. But the Punisher has really gone through this transformation. He's been an angel, an avenging angel. He has been a Frankenstein. They've done some crazy things with the Punisher. But as we'll see when we get into the other Punisher films, they also took a much harder, darker edge to him. With Marvel Knights and then Marvel Max, which were much more mature imprints of Marvel where they can make it more violent, they could have swearing. They took him in a much more realistic route where they kind of just dropped all the superheroes and supervillains and set them in the real world.
3: That's what it seems like to me. I mean, I got to say, not having read a Punisher comic ever once, just looking at the guy, he is rougher edged than Daredevil and Spider-Man. I mean, those characters at the end of the day are wholesome and their sense of justice. Yeah, I mean, Daredevil sort of flirted with the dark side, but this is pretty hard edged here. I mean, I definitely feel like he's got more in common with Charles Bronson. Than he does with Spider-Man.
0: Oh, and you're not wrong. I mean, he only has one or two reoccurring villains. Because people do not live once they run into the Punisher. It's over for him.
3: I might have found my soulmate in the Marvel
2: Universe. I'm down already. And you know, growing up and reading some of the comics, this movie was finally released on video in 91... After having international theatrical release in 89, and that 91 was right during the height of both my and, I think, the country's comic book obsession. And so I became familiar with The Punisher through his appearance in Spider-Man, read some of his other stuff. I never really got the appeal, though. I never read too many original Punisher comics.
0: He shoots people.
2: (laughs) And? Does he shoot them with webs? No, he shoots (laughs) them with bullets. How is this fun? Because they
3: die. Did he ever come in contact with any toxic waste? Ever. (laughs) No. I like it. I'm liking it. This is a superhero for me because I'm not seeing too much superhero in him. I feel like he's just a notch or two higher pitch than I would see in, yeah, a 70s gritty, you know, Vigilante movie, and The Warriors, Death Wish, those kinds of things. I'm totally down for that. But I gotta say, since we're talking about the Marvel movie universe here, this is the second theatrical effort, quasi-theatrical, because, as you said, it, it, it was only released internationally. They dumped this straight to VHS. Why this guy? I mean, why Howard the Duck for number one, and why Punisher for number two? It's Like, two entirely extremes, and neither one of them speaks to comic book characters the way I would think they play to mass audiences. There's no Superman or Batman in these. DC is rocking the movie world, and they're coming up with a duck and Charles Bronson. (laughs) just It's weird to me that they would start with this one-two punch. I mean, what are they trying to
0: do? He's novel in the comic book universe, in a universe where people don't die and superheroes don't kill. Here's someone that puts a finality to that universe. But in the movie world, you've already mentioned Death Wish, Charles Bronson. We had Clint Eastwood, a Dirty Harry. Like, with the 70s, we got all those antiheroes in film. So I think looking at it as a movie, it's safe territory. It's something that's been proven. You could do these action revenge fantasy stories. There's something that there's already a market for, unlike a duck from outer space.
3: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. If I had to back one horse over the other, it would be this one. I mean, certainly for cost reasons, if nothing else. But it's strange to me because I don't feel like either one of them represent what I would think in my head would be a safe bet for a superhero comic book movie. And to me, they're synonymous. You know, you want to do a movie adaptation of a comic book in 1989... He's got to be a
2: superhero. He's got to be a cape crusader. And if he doesn't have a cape, I don't see it. First of all, in the 70s and 80s, especially early 80s, as we talked about with Fantastic Four, Marvel sold their rights to anyone dirt cheap trying to get popularity for their characters and I remember around this time in 91 they were trying to get a Spider-Man movie going but the fact was the rights were owned by like three different studios and it was a big fight over who would pay and who would profit and how much you'd have to budget just before it was released don't forget they also were able to kick out a Captain America film we'll be reviewing early next year so Mm. that didn't get a theatrical release but But at this point, it was a matter of who are Marvel's top properties? And the answer is the Hulk, who was making TV movies at this point. Yeah. Captain America, who got a movie. Spider-Man, whose rights were in limbo. And The Punisher. I mean- Iron Man, Thor, these are all B, C, and D listers that you would not be going to. These are not the cream that rise to the top of your Marvel coffee back in 1989, 1990. Well, it makes sense as Jacob basically explained it. This character
3: was really hitting his stride in the mid 80s. So he would have been the hottest new
2: character on the block. He isn't a classic character, but you're catching him at his zenith. And I can't count the number of Punisher skull shirts I saw in high school in the 80s. Exactly. When their Megadeth shirt stunk too badly, (laughs) they would go and put on the Punisher shirt. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, soccer moms wear them, but in the 80s, it was tough. So it did make sense to me.
0: And I got to say, when I heard this was on VHS, I could not get to the rental store fast enough. You are not alone,
2: Jacob, because I want to put this in context. This is 1991. The direct-to-video market did not really exist yet. Most of the stuff that went direct-to-video was stuff made for theaters that just couldn't get a release and was shit onto video. And that stuff never charted. When the Punisher was released, it actually was the number two video rental for that week. The first non theatrical film to hold that a very rare thing at that time. He must be proud. This film was fully intended for theatrical release. Now, Stuart, you associate everything New World Pictures with Roger Corman, but until we did Fantastic Four and Generation X, that's not what I knew them as. I knew them as the company who made a lot of movies that I liked, theatrical releases like Hellraiser. Oh, don't I know it? I saw a preview for this movie
3: at Hellbound Hellraiser 2. I was in the movie theater opening weekend, and the trailer was... Dolph dropping through the stained glass window and blowing away everything. It was sort of an abbreviated version of a scene that comes in the middle of this movie. And that was the trailer. And they let you know that this was going to be his big follow-up to He-Man, Masters of the Mm -hmm. Universe. I mean, they made Heather's... They made a couple of Halloween films. By being Corman, I'm not claiming that they are directed video, but they are cheap. I do consider their logo a form of skull and crops.
2: Well, I have to disagree. Maybe someday we'll get to a Hellraiser retrospective. I mean, I don't think any of these are huge budget, but I don't necessarily think of them as crap either but what happened was in 1989 1990 the punisher was released worldwide but they were waiting on the u.s new world had financial troubles and had to sell off all of its assets for quick cash and the punisher got sold for u.s distribution to a video company
3: Oh, I agree. I'm going to go ahead and put it out right now. If House 2, the next story, can get a release and Warlock can get a theatrical release, this is not cheaper than that. This is not more embarrassing than that. This movie probably should have wound up in the theater. It makes sense to me that it was financial more
2: than quality control that kept it. But yeah, you can't think of this as a direct-to-DVD film. Everywhere but the States, it was in theaters. Sure. I'll go with that and treat it as such. You
3: know, I have a sliding scale here, and my barometer here is that I'm about to watch a B-flip, but definitely a Grindhouse movie, and one not made in the Grindhouse era. It's intriguing to me, and, you know, I'm a, a cynic on a lot of this Marvel, but for this movie, I was actually curious to see how this was going to work. I knew I wasn't going to get Generation X or that 1994 Fantastic Four again. I, I happen to notice, I always look up directors to see what else they've done. Mark Goldblatt, Not much of a director, he only did one other movie, a horrible horror comedy called Dead Heat, with Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo fighting zombie carcasses of flesh like pigs. (laughs)
2: I think I need to see that. It's
3: god-awful. But I do want to point out he is the editor of numerous now-playing movies of conversation. He cut both The Terminator 1 and 2, Predator 2, Halloween 2, Rambo 2, Exorcist The Beginning, X3. The man just does all these sequels. He's probably edited
2: them. This This is what he's known for working to this day. This is what his bread and butter has been. Well, the closest I'll ever come to a commentary on this film is on the soundtrack I got, the CD. They actually have a conversation with the director where I found out a lot of this making of stuff. But yeah, he basically talked about how he's an editor. Yeah, and I agree with that. So how about a
3: plot summary? Why don't we tell people that maybe haven't seen it or haven't gone direct to VHS what they're missing?
2: Frank Castle, played by Dolph Lundgren, was a cop until he saw his wife and two daughters killed in front of him. The car bomb was set by the local mob, and so Frank disappears and goes underground, literally, living in the sewers, meditating naked, and killing criminals as the black-clad vigilante known as the Punisher, aided by his alcoholic friend, the always-rhyming former actor, Sheik. When the movie starts, the Punisher's been waging his war on crime for five years, a local urban legend, having killed over 125 people. He's pursued by his former police partner, Jake Berkowitz, played by our old friend Louis Gossett Jr.
3: I salute you, sir. I'm so happy to see Lou back after Jaws 3D.
2: We've needed a little Lou in these Marvel movies, haven't we? and his new computer-savvy partner, Sam Leary, played by Nancy Everhart. And in the opening of the film, the Punisher kills the local mob boss, bringing in international mob leader Gianni Franco to take control. Franco tries to bring all the local mobs together as one unit, but his plan is upset by the Yakuza, led by Lady Tanaka. Due to the Punisher's weakening of the mafia, the Yakuza smell blood in the water and come to take control, And when the Mafia resists, the Yakuza kidnap all the children of the mob bosses. Frank is content to sit back and let the criminals kill themselves, but Shake points out the innocent children are kidnapped due in part to the Punisher's war on the Mafia, leaving them too weak to protect their families. So Frank takes on the Yakuza to free the children and does rescue all of them except for Franco's son. The Punisher is captured and tortured by the Yakuza. Then, in his escape, he's caught by the police and has his reunion with Berkowitz. And finally, he's caught by Franco, who asks for the Punisher's help to save his son Tommy from the Yakuza. So the mob boss and Frank infiltrate the Yakuza stronghold, aided by Shake standing outside and detonating explosives, and they kill Lady Tanaka and her ninja daughter and free Tommy. But once Tommy is freed, Franco tries to kill the Punisher, and in the struggle, Franco is shot and killed. Tommy tries to shoot the Punisher, but Frank talks the boy out of it and tells the boy if he becomes a crime boss, Frank will come for him. Frank then leaves the scene and returns to his naked sewer meditation and continuing its war on crime as credits roll.
0: Now, I think you got some things wrong there, Arnie, like the Punisher being a cop and having two daughters. (laughs) Not matching up with your character you like on the page, huh? Yeah, I've read just about every Punisher comic. And these are different. But here's the thing. I don't think it hurts the film coming from the fan point of view because... Here's what's important about The Punisher. He lost his family. He has some kind of knowledge about arms, some kind of training, whether military or the stuff you go through being a policeman. You lose your family and you want revenge. But what I did is there is a comic adaptation of this film. And I went back and read that because I own it, because I love The Punisher. And I went back to read it to see, oh, maybe that comic tried to reconcile these differences. Nope. Nope. It doesn't. It almost tells the exact same story as the film, like line for line. The only difference is it opens up with Berkowitz and Frank Castle as partners in the police force. And it even shows Sam dressing up as the prostitute, which he mentions in this film. Well, Jacob, actually, there's a number of cuts of this movie. There are as many cuts of Punisher as there are of Blade Runner, if you believe it. And you'll probably end up owning them all, right? Well... Most of them
2: aren't legally available in the States. Oh, that's never stopped you, but go ahead. (laughs) I had to work. It was like trying to find the Ark of the Covenant to find the only version that's really different, which is the work print version, only available... On a certain German DVD release as a bonus feature. I've never seen a work print before. It was actually really interesting to see this with a temp score track. And before it was processed, it really, it almost looked and felt like a home movie. Like an amateur film. But this was the director's original vision. And it had 16 extra minutes at the beginning, just like this comic you're talking about. I think the comic was based on the script. And the whole beginning is... Frank before his family is killed. We get to see Frank and Jake out on the stakeout where Sam's the hooker and this whole thing and we're actually introduced to Franco. And we get to see Moretti early on and all the reasons why Frank's family's killed in this 16 minute prologue. So it really added a lot to the characterization of things. I understand why they cut it. It makes the
0: movie 16 minutes longer. Well, do you get any crazy Lou Gossett since he's in there? Is he eating any more pizza, playing any Miss Pac-Man? He's eating some hamburgers and then some (laughs) pie.
2: (laughs) Then I want to see it. (laughs) And he's asleep on the stakeout. Actually, these scenes are pretty well done. The action's a little lackluster, but it's a work print. I don't know quite what to make of how it would have been, but... Yeah, it seems like that's what this comic was based on, and all the stuff we see in flashback was intended to be the opening of the film. It was going to be told chronologically.
3: I knew it! That was killing me about how much of an information dump this first five minutes are, where everything is like five years ago, all these important things happened. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there? <laughs> well, moving on. I mean, literally, it's a newscaster, like, reading it off a teleprompter, and I'm like, come on, guys, this is an origin movie. You owe us telling us. I mean, it's a very important
0: relationship between Lou Gossett and Dolph Lundgren, and- We need to see it. See, I don't like origin movies. I'm so sick of origin movies. Maybe it's because I see all these superhero movies. Like, it just seems like such a stale thing to do. The first movie is going to be the origin movie. Let's just jump into it and get into the film. So I guess I didn't mind that here, that it just jumps in with this newscaster. Maybe it took me back to, like, Robocop, another 80s film that I really enjoy, and they're always using the newscaster to fill in all this exposition.
2: It does, but you're missing the big one, which is, of course, Batman. Batman. Batman did come out, and Batman told the origin and flashback, and they realized maybe we don't need to spend 15 or 20 minutes on Frank's kids dressed in Spider-Man pajamas. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: well, they might have had
3: a point. I don't know that I needed that stuff, but I do feel like it's a strange choice. To have it all handled so cursorily I can go with it It's not like I need to see everything happen Chronologically at the start of the movie In order to understand the character But I can tell you That the relationships are wanting And my distance from the Punisher Well maybe that's nobody's fault But the casting director (laughs) I gotta ask right now Before we get to anything else Dolph, when you were reading the Punisher Was this who you saw on the page, Jacob? He seems totally off.
0: Dolph with his... I don't know if he naturally has black hair. I, no, he's a natural blonde. Okay, I always go back to Rocky IV for my Dolph references, and he's got the bleach blonde hair there. So yes, Dolph with his black dyed hair, and it looks like a 5 o'clock shadow that they painted onto his face. Painted on, yes. yes. It, it almost felt like they were trying to outline the cheekbone, so his face looked like a skull this time when I was watching it. He looked like a heroin mm-hmm. junkie to me. Yes, he, he's yeah. very down and out in this. Like, no, it's... This is not the person I pictured in all those years of reading The Punisher. In 91, when this came out, I was willing to go with it, though, because I was a big fan of Rocky IV. I had seen Masters of the Universe, and so it was someone I associated with action films. So I was willing to go with it. It's become a joke now, though, in the comic book community. You know, Dolph Lundgren, The Punisher, looking back. Yeah, not the best choice.
2: I mean, think about it. If you're looking at a movie in the 80s where people are shooting a lot of guns... The first person you want is Arnold. And when you can't afford him, Dolph was one of the number two, three, four people. There was Dolph and Van Damme. No, come on. Number one
3: tied is Rambo. I mean, there's a lot of Rambo in this character here. I mean, don't forget Sly here. You guys did him last Thanksgiving. I think he's owed his props here. Yeah, okay, there is Sly.
0: But Schwarzenegger and Stallone, they're not people that I'd buy as the Punisher either. But they
3: are this version of this hero. You know, Schwarzenegger's version of this movie was Commando, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Sly did Rambo, so... You're on to something there, Arnie. They're like, if someone's going to play a vigilante in the 80s, they have to be muscle-bound with no acting talent, preferably from a foreign country where they mangle the English language. (laughs) I mean, it's just what they did. Does that make Brooklyn a foreign country for Sly? (laughs) Yes. He does mangle the language. He really (laughs) does. Speech impediments are definitely welcome in 80s action movie stars because, of course, as long as you got the brawn, it doesn't matter what's coming out of your mouth.
0: And it's weird that they give him these, like, I hesitate to say philosophical monologues about God and punishment and vengeance, but it just seems so odd that they give him so much dialogue during those opening and closing scenes.
2: You're going to love this. Dolph wrote those himself. Really? He added them to the script. The man is no dummy. He may not be able to speak, but he thought that these scenes needed the Punisher's inner thoughts. And so he went and proposed and wrote and read these monologues. I like them. I'm
3: impressed. They're like a cheap version of Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver, and anything
2: that's bringing this movie back to a 70s vibe, I'm diggin'. In the work print, there were no monologues, and those scenes are really weird when they're just dead silent with the score, and... The temp score they used was actually from Hellraiser, and so I got this big flashback, because it's just like Frank. I mean, it's a naked guy sitting there. When they pan around to the Punisher, I expected him to hold the Lament configuration.
3: All right, Doff is wrong in almost every other way, but what a good <laughs> choice here. He was right. I do like the Godman looks.
0: It does give it a B-movie quality. I'll give you that, Stuart, and I know you enjoy that kind of 70s grit, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, with the Grindhouse and the B-film, so I, I could see where you're going there. I guess, watching this now with... So much Punisher history behind me. I like the version of the Punisher where he is a non-character. You know, in my favorite Punisher stories, it's all about setting up how evil these people are for five issues. So when you get to that six concluding issue, you just want to see them destroyed in the most violent way possible. That Punisher, he is a hurricane, an earthquake, a force of nature. When you get into this ham-fisted, noir dialogue, I, I could see there's a certain appeal there. Like, there's a very pulpy feel. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pulp, I feel, with this film. Even with the opening credits, the way, you know, it's these bullseyes that just keep coming Coming at you in different primary colors with porn shops and chalk outline bodies. Like, was that supposed to be a James Bond type thing? I, it is a James yeah. Bond kind
3: of thing, it's, or at least a, a 70s retro mod kind of thing. I love the opening in this. It's like a pre-Tarantino retro thing because movies didn't look like this in 1989 or 90. certainly by 91. They're not working within the period conventions that you would expect. I mean, I just would not expect this movie to look and feel this way. I wouldn't expect any Marvel movie to look and feel this way. And indeed, I don't think we've seen a one of them that does. Even Daredevil.
0: In watching this film as teenage me in 91 I didn't like it but coming to it now like there is that appeal I'm starting to see what you see Stuart like I like how pulpy and retro this feels now watching it whereas when it was supposed to be new and in the time it was offensive as a comic book fan of The Punisher
2: mm-hmm. See, and for me, I thought that maybe they were trying to be comic booky because it's a lot of still shots, kind of pencil outlined, and it didn't bother me at all. But now I see it, and yeah, it definitely has that kind of 70s vibe to it. The biggest thing that bothers me is whatever conversion they used on the DVD I have, this got shaky. Like, the entire opening credits and the opening news scene, the entire picture is shaking several inches constantly like there's an earthquake.
0: Maybe Shake was filming it. Yeah,
2: it it, it (laughs) pretty much is. And I'm like, is the whole movie going to be like this? And once they get out of having any kind of visual effects, it stabilizes and then it goes bad at the end credits again. But I'm trying to promote this film as not being directed video, but the opening credits and opening news thing scream cheap. I'm going with it. I'm just going to say that the aesthetic vibe of this movie is an
3: asset for me. I'm enjoying that I'm watching a fully immersed grimy big picture, and all the mistakes are kind of an asset at this point. I don't have any expectation about what this story should be, but I like this world. My big problem is, if I'm going to watch Pulp, I want to love the main badass in this. And Dolph, Mushmouth line deliveries. Is he a good fighter? He's big. The guy's huge, right? He's like seven feet tall. I get the imposing part of it, but I just don't even feel like he's made for action. You know, he's made for modeling, for bodybuilding. But, you know, Bruce Lee would kill in a movie like this.
0: Stuart, this is about shooting a gun. You just have to have good marksmanship to be the punisher. I see.
2: Here's the thing, you got it right with Bruce Lee. Dolph Lundgren is an international full-body contact karate champion. Really? Yeah.
0: You wouldn't know it watching this.
2: And here's what the director chose to do, is because Dolph Lundgren was such a karate expert, rather than have stuntmen and choreographed fights, for several of the fights, he just brought in other karate champions and had them fight and filmed it. These are filmed? I can watch this in this movie?
3: Yeah, I feel like what Jacob said, a lot of it just involved him firing the gun. I felt like the only fight scene that stuck with me was when he gets the American adopted girl at the end. That's the only one that made an impression. For much of this fighting, I felt he looked clumsy, partly because he was so big and had to wear this get-up. And martial artist or not, nobody's going to do their best moves in all of that leather and (laughs) shit. No,
0: and speaking of the leather and shit,
2: no skull.
0: Okay, again, this movie is so maligned in the comic book community. I think it's because everyone watched it, like, when they were 15, like I did. And as fanboys, no fucking Skull. Like, how hard is it to do a silkscreen? I got to <laughs>
3: say, you know, I know Corman's cheap. I know you're going to get an RC Cola, but really,
2: you can't silkscreen the black shirt. I get it. I think that because they wanted to go grim and gritty, that they thought people would laugh at a silkscreen skull on a shirt. And so they decided to go more realistic. I can respect that choice. I never had a problem that. All right. When I was 15, I did have yes, a problem. But... I don't have
0: a problem with it now. But yeah, <laughs> so, when I was 15, that's why this movie sucked. That's what it came down to. And I think it, you ask a lot of people that saw this when they were 15. They've never revisited it because he doesn't have a fucking skull on. That's what it came down well, to.
3: It would certainly help make him more identifiable as that comic book character. But I knew that as his insignia, I thought it was weird that he didn't have it. I thought for sure he'd get it by the end. But maybe it was something they'd introduce later in the sequels. I just assumed it was to be continued.
2: How about a chest tattoo? That he had during all those naked meditations. That would have been a way to do it. He
0: had the skull on the knife handle. Right?
2: Yeah, that is true. There was a skull on the knife handle. His trademark knives. Who Was Shake making those knives? <laughs> shake. Can we talk about Shake? I gotta say,
3: on one hand... I'm going to applaud this movie because Shake uh, makes references to Eugene O'Neill and he knows his theater. Like, this character (laughs) is a true out-of-work actor. I've known more than a few like this. I mean, he's a walking, talking embodiment of what it is like to be an actor on the skids. But I gotta say, if Punisher needs somebody on the street, would you really gravitate towards alcoholics? Like, I mean, would you really think that people that literally shake, that had the DTs, are going to, you know, addicts, I don't think of them as trustworthy. I don't think of them as having the best scoping out abilities. You know, Dolph is like this, an enabling...
0: Literally, he enables him... (laughs) shake with a remote control truck with gin hooked to it like (laughs) exactly
3: exactly on one hand you know Gossett will admit later that he got him off the sauce but at the same time he's not above getting the remote control to whisk the guy down an alley chasing a bottle i mean i just feel like this is a strange character as an ally and i want to know jacob has he ever been in a punisher comic prior to this is this an invention of the movie
0: this is from the movie the punisher does have a sidekick His name is Microchip. He provided all the technology. Imagine that. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> very clever <laughs> but shake a drunk who gets like all this underground yakuza information i don't know who his contacts are it seems like an mm-hmm. odd choice the punisher does use <laughs> mm-hmm. low-level criminals he keeps people alive as long as necessary to get the information he needs he'll pay off low-level criminals to get information and then eventually kill him down the line but shake the drunk that knows Everything going on in the criminal world? What I found really funny is Sheik is
2: supposed to be the Punisher's conscience. In addition <laughs> to his informant, when the Punisher's sitting back, it's Sheik who's like, it's your war that caused the children to be in danger, and he does it all in rhyme. Uh, amazing.
3: Yeah, it was an odd choice would be the nicest way to put it. I feel like it's also the wrong choice. If I were a crime fighter, this is not a guy you can trust. And yeah, frankly, the rhyming would just get on your nerves. (laughs) I, I feel like they went with this character maybe because somebody in the production liked this actor and they wrote it for him. I had a feeling he was invented for the movie. I just can't see why he would exist otherwise in this universe.
0: Yes, someone with Corman's production crew really likes the Shakespearean type Characters. We had the jeweler who always spoke in rhymes. Yeah, he's
3: got a jeweler vibe. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, I agree. I'm going to say this, though. Like, watching this film this time for now, playing, like, this feels like a good comic adaptation like if you wanted those pulpy 70s and 80s comics on screen like with these weird characters that don't really make any sense and it doesn't have the sophistication you know th- this is why comics have the reputations they have like this feels like a good representation from that from the opening credits with the colorful bullseyes to shake to the remote control car spitting gin around the city i kind of like this comic booky vibe that it has Having read the comics
2: of the time, I can't say that this feels comic booky to me. Again, I never read the Punisher comics, but it did seem like Shake was there for comic relief at the very least. I mean, everybody else in this film is so goddamn stoic and serious that. It was down to shake and one of the mob underbosses to provide a little levity. Well, there is Lou Gossett. I was enjoying it. We're anytime. talking about
0: intentional levity, not <laughs> unintentional.
2: I had a good laugh that in 1989 slash 1991, his partner's using a computer. He's like, what are you going to use this for, Miss Pac-Man? I love
3: it! <laughs> In this movie, I feel like, yes, you know, and he plays it a little cold for at first. I'm like, Lou, where are you? Where are you? But it does, yeah, it it starts to come out, yeah, like this in the early scenes when he gets Sam, the female partner, and he's like, scoff. I was embarrassed for both of them. He's scoffing at using a computer in 1989, and she's using it to find probability factors about where a vigilante lives. I mean, (laughs) neither one of them knows what the fuck they're doing. But Lou knows what the fuck he's doing. He won an Oscar. He doesn't need to be good anymore. He can just be amusing. And he certainly is here. Now, I don't understand this character. Is this another invention of the movie? Did he have a partner that kept looking for him? Well, he wasn't even a cop, No, he he
0: wasn't a cop. He was a Vietnam vet. And No. Oh,
3: right. Good point. Okay. Because what's the relationship here? I know Lou gets his big dialogue about how no one believed in him when he was an alcoholic, so now he's going to believe in Frank, now that he's a vigilante or something, but like, is something else going on? <laughs> like, the movie even ends with him, like, screaming at top of the skyscraper, Frank! Frank! It felt like a little unrequited romance here. I'm trying to figure out what Lou's affinity for Frank is.
0: Well, seeing that he spent so much of that first 16 minutes in the work print with lou gossett one oscar winner to a
2: future oscar winner <laughs> <laughs> an oscar winner and a Razzie winner sitting in a car it sounds like the setup to a joke but really those opening scenes had like a lethal weapon vibe to them, you know and Dolph was perfectly fine, as actually he was the Danny Glover in that situation. I think it comes down to, yeah, Frank saved him, and now he wants to save Frank and bring him back to the righteous side to, I guess, serve 125 back-to-back life sentences.
3: Let me in! Let me in! (laughs) <laughs> I loved it. I love I love his attempt to let him in. And I totally agree with Lou. Let Lou into this movie, because every time he's in it, I'm having fun. And every time it's just Dolph scoffing around with that sunken-faced, humorless face of his. The man's ugly and boring and sour, and I can't stand it. But when Lou's on screen, the movie suffers because there's not a, a partnership here.
2: I agree. I felt like the entire... Berkowitz, Lou Gossett Jr. storyline had no payoff because the end of the film, and I'm not going to jump there, but the end of the film is the mob boss and the Punisher storming the tower. If it had been Berkowitz and the Punisher back-to-back partners again, it would have had payoff. Thank you for... Yes, you've cut me to
3: the quick on that. Like, I don't understand that when it's time to go in and rescue the kid, the team up is, yeah, this mob boss we don't even like. It's a ridiculous combo. It's wrong. Yeah. We want to see these partners reunited. The whole movie is about partners that were separated that are going to get reunited, and all that Luke gets out of it is a slice of pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Which I gotta say, when he put the pepperoni in his mouth, I literally stood up. I literally, I mean this, I literally stood up and applauded. I love
0: that scene. I I, I guess I'm coming, obviously coming from this from the fan boy perspective, the fan of the Punisher. and
3: oh him yes (laughs) no i want a Lou (laughs) comment.
0: the punisher can't have a partner that's the whole thing is but you just said microchip and that turns out very badly uh when (laughs) when, it it, literally when garth ennis introduces this hard line punisher in the punisher max series microchip tries to recruit frank to go after osama bin laden to work for the u.s government and the The Punisher, he shoots him. His long-time sidekick, he shoots him in the face with a shotgun. There's been stories where people try to partner up with him. There's a cop that tries to get into his mind, going back to the whole Manhunter thing, tries to get into the Punisher's mind and almost commits suicide. He can't deal with it. A woman teams up with him, and she lasts long enough to finish a mission, and then she shoots herself in the head. The whole thing with the Punisher is no one can take on the psychological burden that he's gone through to totally disassociate himself from society where he's just going to murder... People. He, he has become the Nietzschean ubermensch. He has written his own moral code. So, again, none of this is in the movie. I'm bringing it all okay. from the comics. But for me, it's working because I have that. I come from this perspective.
2: Well, let's kind of go through this plot. Because the Punisher has killed 125 people. We open up, and he's killing a mob boss. And then he stands out to vamp for all the photographers before stepping back into the burning building. Question. That guy is the guy that killed
3: his wife and kids, right? He's the one that was responsible for planning the car bomb that took out their station wagon. Yes. And he gets off after five years because of good lawyers and money. And this is literally in the opening of the movie, Frank has absolution and total vengeance (laughs) for everything that's driving him. Well, yes. It's done. This is the start of the movie. This is where they are beginning is the man that killed my wife and kids. I just blew up his house and threw a knife in his back and he's dead.
0: I love that. I love that. It's so anti-comic book origin story. It's like... If Batman, his first mission, he catches the killer of his parents and then he just decides to keep on going. Like that's.
3: Yeah. Imagine starting it with Joker, like splatting on the ground uh, from falling off the bell tower. I mean, there's a little bit of existential crisis that creeps in here like (laughs) what are you gonna do for an encore and indeed he is talking about going on vacation when this mob warfare starts out here like he's done like i have nothing else that i need to do to accomplish my rage is
2: quenched i'm siding with jacob on this one i like that they're trying something a little different the movie starts With the end of his quest, we are told everything we need to know, and now we're going to see a Punisher story that isn't the story of him avenging his family, but a story of his role and the aftermath of that. I like it. For being different.
3: It does seem like a weird first entry to a character that I don't know. I'm just saying it that. I'm not saying that's a flaw. I'm saying that if you establish a vigilante flick and he gets justice in the
2: opening scene, (laughs) I'm confused. (laughs) Admittedly, we're already at sequel territory in part one.
3: (laughs) I gotta say, you guys were right. When you called out Hannibal Rising last week, I was like, I don't quite get it. I get it now. There were more than a little similarities between the two movies here, particularly when we
2: get into the Yakuza territory and Lady Tanaka. (laughs) All right. So because the Punisher has caused this war on crime, the mob brings in an uber boss, Franco, because we need a character named Frank and a character named Franco. That was confusing for me. Well, he's Johnny Franco. Yeah, but he's Franco. I know. Yes, it's confusing. <laughs> I believe me, I wrote it down. I was They, they couldn't have other names? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then because the mob is weak, the yakuza just show up in town and I got to give this movie some props. This was before the yakuza were household names. I'd never heard of them.
0: But come on, isn't this when the Japanese were moving in, buying up our baseball teams? Yes, absolutely.
3: This would have been perceived as a threat, if not to the common every household in middle America. It definitely would have been in Hollywood in those circles. The movie studios were being bought by the Japanese. You know, we were a year or two from Michael Crichton publishing rising sun i do feel like it was on the cusp of a anti- japanese movement that was also in diehard they were seen as the ineffectual owners of that building that the terrorists took over blade runner we've dealt with some of the movies that have this as a theme but this is the most pronounced version of our fear of japanese influence and takeover
0: i didn't see it as fear japanese takeover i just thought it was great that yes the japanese the buyer baseball teams but they also take over our mobsters Like, they're taking over every element of society.
3: But they're the worst ones. I think they're the villains we're supposed to not like. Because the way that it's set up, Punisher ultimately, he may not like either side, but he does cite with the Italian mobsters. Only because children are involved. Well, didn't she have a child, too? She has this daughter, and it's like... She's been maybe back in the Ukraine before she was sold into white slavery, (laughs) and they're talking about these kids are going to end up going to a similar path. I definitely feel like we're supposed to think worse of the Japanese, I don't know, maybe it's... subtle form of racism maybe it's because they are a different color than the mobsters but i feel like at the end of the day these are the real bad guys and that the mobsters are sort of the devil we know
2: well here's the thing that i see is it's again i said we're in the sequel in the first movie this is blade teaming up with vampires against the reapers it's teaming up with a bad enemy to face the worst enemy
0: and that's what I'm saying when this feels like a comic book movie is that that seems like it's such a classic thing to do with the Punisher. The guy that will shoot any pickpocket, any drug dealer, any scum, now he has to team up with one of them to save an innocent life. Like it, it has been something that's been done in the comics, but I'm willing to go with it because it seems like that's what you do with the Punisher. You do an odd couple story with them and put him with a criminal that he's going to have to try to at least get along with to accomplish a goal.
3: And Johnny was going to bring peace. You know, the whole thing was that he has a boat coming in from France that's got like 600 kilos of junk. And so that's going to make all of these warring mob families happy. Like they're on the cusp of, you know. Coming together. Yes, but
0: they're still breaking the law.
3: They'll still be doing hits.
0: Yeah, at
3: the end of the day, I feel like they're the villains we're supposed to like. And then, yeah, here comes Tanaka to take 75% of what they have rightfully stole from the American people. I
0: took it differently. I saw the these Italian mobsters as the bumbling keystone cops of the criminal world. And I like the Japanese. They're ninjas. They're Italian. Oh, I like them, too. I yeah. agree.
2: They're the more enjoyable villains.
0: I mean, they got a mute American ninja on their side. That's a mm-hmm. girl.
2: And I don't think that having the Japanese is racism so much as they want karate fights. Again, it's an 80s action flick. And so you want these kinds of fights... Well, you've got to have some Japanese baddies.
3: Yeah, it's got one foot in The Godfather and one foot in Enter the Dragon, and that's cool. I like that kind of mashup. I'm digging it. All I'm saying is that the Japanese are seen as less humane, less family-oriented. They are more callous and evil than the mobsters are. The mobsters, I just don't see them as much of a threat. And maybe you're right, Jacob. Maybe it's because they're kind of foolish. Maybe it's because they're dumb enough to meet with the Japanese and drink champagne that is poisoned and not really think things through. They deserve to fold because they haven't been smart about what's happening to them.
2: Well, they kind of set up Lady Tanaka with this Kaiser Soze background. Of course, this is before Kaiser Soze. Maybe Kaiser Soze is ripping off the Punisher. I'm sure. (laughs) Saying that there was one person in the whole world she cared about, her brother, and the brother stole from the Yakuza, and so she had to slit his throat. So, again, I think it's just setting her up. To be a bad motherfucker. Now, I found it odd that they chose a woman to lead because really in this type of action film, don't you want your final showdown to be a major brawl between your hero and the big villain? So by setting it up as a lady, it just against tall, muscular karate champion Dolph Lundgren, it seems like she's already at a disadvantage.
3: Well, you guys have been saying you like these unconventional choices being made here. It is an unconventional choice. That said, I am more intimidated by Lady Tanaka than I am by Johnny Franco. I'm not feeling that character at all as a threat. We haven't seen him do anything badass. All we've done is seen guys in suits go down by Punisher. It's no thrill for Punisher to take him out. I think the ninja angle confuses and intimidates him, and indeed, in this a scene where the boat comes in and the ninjas in the wetsuits jump out. Punisher goes down too. There's a lot of flying cutlery in that scene and (laughs) Punisher goes over the pier with the van full of
0: stuff. I just got to say with that scene, I love that the Punisher shoots a guy with a harpoon and then uses that as a zip line to enter into the action.
3: (laughs) I thought that was very, very strange. I'm like, isn't he the guy with guns and then he's going to (laughs) come with a crossbow? And then when he did that, I was like, oh, I get it. What an entrance. What a showboat.
0: I like Lady Tanaka. A lady with a sword is always more scary than a guy with a sword because you, whether we like it or not, we typically see the female sex as the weaker sex. So when they end up being tougher than most of the guys, like that's really scary. So I I like that they're going with Lady Tanaka here, that it is a female. I mean, I think that's what worked with Kill Bill so much is that there's such a heavy female cast. And they're all strong. Like, it, it just, it's more intimidating.
2: True. It just seems like the showdown there isn't all that it could be between those two when it happens. But it takes some getting to, because first, yes, they kidnap all the children and they're going to sell them into slavery. The Punisher, shake convinces him to take hold. And then I have to say, the way that the Punisher starts his war on the Yakuza caught me off guard because... It seems like out of nowhere we're suddenly in an underground strip club casino thing, and I'm really wondering where this story's going until I realize it's a yakuza club and the Punisher shoots it up.
0: I just love the sex club casino thing like the muscular bodybuilding women that are naked and posing and you got an angel and a devil depicted like making love on a cross as a piece of stained glass like it is a weird scene
2: I'd hang out there I admit yes. yeah if the yakuza invited me, I'd go.
0: It does take you a while, though, to figure out what's going on, where are we at. Yes, I agree with you there, Ernie.
2: In the print, this whole scene was done to you-can-leave-your-hat-on as, like, the temp music, and it actually really makes the scene seem a lot better and more realistic than this cheap, generic, public-access grunge they're playing. Probably not as good as the sex scene in Nine and a Half Weeks that also used that song. Probably not. And this whole movie has a real 80s vibe. I noticed it in the casino. I noticed it in the Yakuza's base. Everything's really
0: bright red. And- well, you didn't notice it with their jackets? They're not members-only jackets. That, that one the Punisher wears, and then Franco wears a denim version of it later on, too. Like, I remember my dad had a jacket like that, though. And in the 80s, I thought it was the coolest damn thing and i like go and wear it all the time when he wasn't around
3: the thing that's confusing about when Dol finally drops in on the scene to take it out i mean i don't know how many bullet shells are unleashed in the whole room and when they cut to the next day and lou is showing up to investigate there's only one corpse on the ground <laughs> like how do you miss that badly
0: he mostly just shoots up the liquor cabinet. If you watch the scene, like, I think he's more just taking out the casino so they can't make money. He wants to hurt him financially.
3: Yeah, he blown up the slot machines. Yeah, he cost them $2 million. It was back when
2: that was a lot of money.
3: <laughs> she wins. I'm sorry. She sends people in that blow away the babysitter and Peter Panda. I thought that was way better. I love the- Poor <laughs>
2: Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs>
3: Anybody that's going to glow away Peter Panda and the babysitter in front of kids, they win. You can shoot up a casino. That's more badass.
2: Tanaka's winning this fight. Did either of you notice, like, Dolph Lundgren puffs out his cheeks when he's firing the guns in the scene? It looked ridiculous. I don't know why he was doing it. I think those guns had some real recoil, but he's, like, making this weird fat face. Well, he looks so gaunt for the rest of it. He might have just, I don't know. Had a I sandwich?
3: Don't... Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like anytime he's asked to be tough, I'm struggling with that. I know that he's an imposing-looking person. I know that he's got a skeletal makeup that they've applied to his face, but I just, I'm not believing him to be a action movie hero, I don't feel like this movie is featuring him as such, and that's lethal in an action movie to
2: have a block of wood at the center of. <laughs> I can't disagree. There's nothing drawing me in, and during the scene when he's like picking up the guy and kicking, it's like Frankenstein the action film. And here's the other thing. What is the rating on this movie? I haven't
3: looked it up, but I wanted this to be a lot bloodier than it is. I mean, you want a B-movie thrill?
0: It was R-rated.
3: Really? I feel like this could easily be PG-13. Like I said, whole casino shot up, one corpse on the ground, no blood. What the hell is this kind of
0: crap? I gotta wonder if it's because it is a Marvel property, if they hesitated going all the way.
3: And I wouldn't think that they would release a Marvel movie
2: with an R rating. I would think they'd want that. These came later, but Man-Thing was R. A later Punisher film is R. This was R. The titties in the casino told me that. Mm, Good point. If Dolph isn't pulling me in, you know what else is kind of pushing me away? Is this plot seems very much like a video game. Like, between levels, Shake comes and goes, the kids are here. And then you have to go in and shoot the place and drive a bus away. And then Shake goes, you have to go here. And then you go in and shoot more stuff up. It felt like scenes were levels. And in between, we just got a cut scene.
0: Yeah, I, I was wondering a lot of times when Shake would show up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they've got to move the plot forward. And he has some more of that hidden information.
3: I don't know why he needs Shake. They already established he can listen in on top-secret gangster meetings just by, like, sidling up to the nearest pipe going on.
0: I think that was Bug. It is not clear, though. He's just sitting (laughs) next to a little speaker, listening to it. I'm like,
3: he's already got an ear to the ground, literally. And it's grossing me out, frankly. But he already knows everything that's going on. I don't know what Shake could learn in his drunken stupor (laughs) that Dolph couldn't figure out out in sobriety but be that as it may they end up at coney island together they decide that they're going to go solve this together the drunk and the vigilante drive to coney island is this new york is that where we're actually in? Because I know this was shot in Australia, and not a lot about the architecture is looking like New York. They show a map at one point in Lou Gossett Jr.'s police station, and none of the neighborhoods I recognized as being New York City. Does this movie exist
2: in a real place? I didn't get one out of it at all. I just, nameless city. Okay. So it's not Coney Island connected to New York? Not that I could tell.
0: I just thought they went to a creepy carnival because that's what she did in the i mean supergirl went there for the yeah, magic yeah. battle
3: <laughs> and supergirl takes care of Dolph it, tanaka like gets the chain in his bike throws him says stop pulling that arnold schwarzenegger bike
2: routine you are no arnold <laughs> and this is where something crystallized first of all i love the ninjas using the big slides while shooting yes, that was yes. an amazing visual <laughs> i would love to next see them go to wet and wild
3: no, no, really, <laughs> truly. Like, that's the shit you
2: ride on a potato sack at the state fair, right? Yeah, I yes, mean, I couldn't yes. believe they were doing it. Yeah. But I have a problem, and it's time I come clean. I just don't like movies about people shooting each other. I don't find that very exciting. There needs to be an emotional resonance behind the firefights. You put a firefight in Saving Private Ryan, I'm enthralled. This movie, at this point, is where I'm getting numb to bullets. What? Hello? Who am I talking with? (laughs) You? This is Arnie? Yeah, I like more... Actiony stuff. I like more physical stuff. All Dolph is really doing is standing back and pulling a trigger. And how is that exciting? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. You're literally bored with the bullet count, not necessarily the body count. Yeah, exactly. It's just how it's happening. Eventually, when it finally gets fist to fist, Dolph gets his ass kicked. But there've been so many scenes at this point of Dolph shooting things up, and it's not an exciting firefight. As you've mentioned, we're not really relating to Dolph, and I'm becoming very numb. So this action, it's not exciting action. It's just noise.
3: I'll tell you where it really loses for me. Like, next, you know, he's tied up in some torture rack and she does this kind of S&M kink routine of with a, a thimble that she's going to torture him and see his threshold for pain. And here's the part where we get the one liners, right? You know, Who sent you? Yeah. Batman. I don't want to stretch this out. Yeah, sayonara. I mean, come on. These are lines that even Arnold could deliver and kill with. And Mushmouth cannot do it. I just feel like, I don't know who suffers more. It's like Dolph screaming or me having to look at all of those cavities and fillings. I mean, it's just painful.
2: (laughs) Did you guys notice that the torture doctor was wearing high heels?
3: Yes! Yes. (laughs) Well, they did that later. I thought they put it on him after
0: they
2: put him on the rack.
0: Where did those heels come from? I want that cut scene. There seems like there was a really good scene there where they really kinked it up.
2: Maybe he just had to be taller to put fit in frame with Dolph. And all they had were those heels.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Napoleon complex. I don't know. Maybe. But I can not say it was a real weird conclusion. I do feel like I don't understand Punisher's methods anymore. Pump shotguns and red pumps. I don't get it. But Tanaka, I'm grooving. She can keep surprising me in a delightful way. Like her earrings that crucify the guy. Like, I just, like, even in the end, she decides for reasons totally unknown to, like, dress up like a geisha and just, like, do a whole dance routine. Why not? Because it looks cool. Sure, we know the Punisher's invading and, you know, the mobsters hate us. And, yeah, we're about to sell their children into white slavery. I'm going to do the Mikado. <laughs>
0: I don't know why she's dressed up. I don't know why she has the Kabuki makeup on, but it's cool looking.
2: Yeah. Then the Punisher gets arrested. He gets his reunion with berkowitz i did not see the punisher getting arrested i was shocked by that revelation that makes no sense
3: you, you didn't see the bus scene yeah i mean he's he's got all the kids he's got to deliver them but usually like they're smart enough to get away after the kids
2: are dropped off like this seemed lame i wanted to know though we got the bus driving away and all the police have a roadblock And you got like 20 cops aiming their guns and this bus is barreling towards them when were they ever going to pull that trigger I mean, how close did the bus have to get?
0: Yeah, especially because I don't think they knew it was full of kids. So why would they not (laughs) pull the trigger?
2: If Frank hadn't turned, I thought he was just going to ram through the cops. I really did. I just thought he was going through and they'd jump out of the way as they do in so many movies. But no, he turns and they're just all standing there ready to shoot. And I just didn't understand that scene. No. But, you know, yes, we ne- finally needed to get a reunion between him and
3: Frank and I suppose Sam, although who really cares about this character at all? I guess they felt like they had to have a woman, but it's not like she has TNA factor. She carries no sex appeal and then her clout is a cop. I mean, she's there in penny loafers and shoulder pads. <laughs> I'm like, this
2: is ridiculous. And she has a boy's haircut and is named Sam.
3: <laughs> yeah. The ones that drool over Sandy Duncan might be liking her, but I don't understand what this is doing
0: this is probably a holdover from the original opening because she's there she is the decoy as a prostitute for this drug bust that berkowitz and frank are with together so and
3: it took five years for lou to consider having her as a partner
0: come on that's such a movie cliche I, i don't do partners i mean come on how many movies have we seen with that Sure.
3: But I don't feel like he should have had this partner. I I think he should have stuck to his guns here. This movie is
0: about Berkowitz and. She has a computer!
3: (laughs) I guess it came down to the.
0: I mean, what if he wanted to play Miss Pac Man?
3: (laughs) Yeah, he didn't have to go get quarters. (laughs) If she was around. I don't know. It's lame and she really does nothing and honestly I can't remember it. Once Punisher is kidnapped by the Italian Mafia I don't even remember seeing her in the rest of the movie.
2: No, and when I saw the original cut, I I actually wondered if she died. But in the work print, there is an extra scene It's one of the other few changes to the rest of the movie beyond the beginning where Lou goes and visits her in the hospital and she's recovering and convalescing and They have this nice talk about how Frank wants to see him again and have a reunion. And so it reinvigorates him. And it's when he leaves the hospital from that visit that he gets kidnapped by Franco's people. So in 10 minutes, Frank gets captured by all three factions here. Yeah, (laughs) because then the mobsters break him out of prison just to take him captive again. And I'm now thinking, (laughs) wow, the Punisher has been caught by everybody. He's now the least competent person in screen. <laughs> and yeah, they, uh, he they keep, just keeps getting bitch
3: slapped around. Like, now the <laughs> declaration is, go get Tommy. That was like the one kid that he didn't rescue when he busted the, the whole bus full of kids back. Or we'll kill Lou Gossett Jr. Like, these are the ultimatum.
2: And he, of course, agrees, because he wants to save his friend. But here's the thing, is with the Punisher's ethics, they probably could have grabbed Shake or anybody. It didn't have to be Lou. Yeah, really. But he does agree. And then, in something that just made me Shake my head. They offer Frank a Kevlar vest, and he's like, No, I'm
0: too fucking tough. I don't need a shield. (laughs) Which is bullshit! So many times they call out his use of Kevlar in the comics. Like, he uses it a lot. He'd have to! Yeah. He
2: would have to. To go into the firefights he goes into, it's not like the man's magical. It's not like he has a magnetic field that repulses bullets like Magneto. The man needs to stock up on Kevlar. He should own stock in Kevlar. Like, this is
0: how I learned about Kevlar, was from <laughs> Punisher Comics. It's a big deal in them.
2: I just felt like this was so actually. Action- movie cheesy, I'm too tough for Kevlar. That's really freaking dumb. Well, I won't mind if Dolph Lundgren takes a mortal (laughs)
3: bullet wound. He's fatal in this movie. I'm wanting to enjoy this for the Sleazy B movie that it is, but he's no Charles Bronson. He's no Clint Eastwood. It's tough to do, and we've seen other actors do it and fail. I felt like Wesley Snipes had this role, and he didn't quite pull me into this. But, you know, Hugh Jackman, sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't, but it helped when he had the right partners with him. It's tough to do. It's tough to play minimal and angry and draw me in. But given that, I feel like this might be the worst of the lot. I feel like, Dolph is giving me the least of what I need to follow this character. And I just kept thinking of Block of Wood. Well, not Block of Wood. He's a whole goddamn redwood tree. But still, at the end of the day, he is not giving me humanity. I need a little of that. I understand he's angry and bitter. But shit, he already got his wife's killer. Smile. Would it crack him to smile? They're making me ask
0: for Arnold. I think that's part of the problem with The Punisher, though, is that he doesn't do the one-liners. He's not... That wise cracking, even though he's blowing over everyone away with the machine gun, he's still got that soft side. He doesn't. He is a hard character. Even in the comics, he's a hard character to like.
3: Yeah, and I get that. And, I mean, our one end to this guy is that he used to be a family man. And I got to ask, why were they targeted? Why was their station wagon blown up? And more importantly, why didn't he die with them? He was right next to them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just goes back to this drug bust at the beginning that the mob was connected with it. And they needed to get rid of him because he was too good of a cop.
2: He was just driving home. It was his birthday.
3: Oh, that makes it even worse. <laughs> Irony. Okay, anyway, we're stuck with what we have, and there's not much more of the movie left. Uh, we get a couple more fights here in the high-rise as Tanaka is putting on a show. <laughs> what did you guys think of the red filter? You know, when they cut the power and everything goes red, I, I think it looks kind of cool. I kind of dug the aesthetic. Uh, they The art director knew what the hell they were doing. They didn't have much money, but they made this little dojo in the sky kind of cool, I think.
0: Yeah, this is one of those scenes that always stuck with me after I saw this and hated it and didn't watch it for, like, 10, 12 years. This really going after that comic book aesthetic, like, with the bright colors and not a lame Dick Tracy type of way with how they did that movie. Like, I thought this worked. There is a reason for the red filter... I liked how it looked visually.
2: I actually like the concept of not so much the execution. It just this is where the fights start to get a little more physical. It's where there's the karate fights and some sword fights and things. And I feel like the red filter made it kind of hard to see and very abstract. And where I could have gotten into the action, the filter didn't let me. I kind of like the daughter fight. It's the
3: only fight that meant anything to me. But I kind of like when he finally goes after the white check. I mean, admittedly, it might, he might have the upper hand there. But I don't know. He wasn't very good or he wasn't very flexible. So I felt like... And she had cutlery. God knows out of everything. I mean... <laughs> She was a whirling Swiss army knife of a woman. So I felt like that fight was kind of fun. But the rest of it, eh, I'm just waiting for it to be over. I wanted to know what Lou's doing down with the
2: elevator guy at the basement. (laughs) He's eating pizza. Yeah, because he escaped from the mafia and went to the Tanaka Tower to stand around. Like, (laughs) he seen die hard and he's waiting for the Twinkies. Yeah.
3: Shake's doing something. He's dropped the detonator. It blew up. I guess he accomplished everything he was supposed to. It.
2: None of it's very, very clear or even that captivating. You mentioned the fight with the daughter. I was surprised it went that way because she never speaks. I thought that there'd be some like last minute romance. He would rescue her from the Yakuza or something. No, he breaks her neck. Right. She's another victimized child, right? I mean, this is a
3: story about children that are taken hostage and He's their protector. I mean, he's like a very extreme Santa Claus, right? He knows who's <laughs> nodding and nice. Yeah, you're right. It's weird that it goes that way. He takes no sympathy on you after you hit puberty, I guess.
0: Well, no. Once you've committed a crime, that's it. That's your death sentence. Once mm-hmm. you've committed that crime, there is no redemption but death for the Punisher. He's
3: so judgmental. This Punisher. Why? Just so judgmental. He is the law.
2: Oh, wait, that's someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: I'm glad we're not doing that one. Yet.
2: And then, yes, we get the final showdown. Punisher kills Tanaka while Tanaka has a gun to Tommy's head.
0: I like the scene where Tanaka convinces Franco that if he shoots himself, that she'll let Tommy go. It just seems different, a different path to take than the typical Mexican standoff.
2: It is, and I don't know who the actor is who played Franco, but he did have some good facial expression acting there. I really felt like he didn't want to put a gun in his mouth. Oh, Jerome crab! he's
3: a good character actor. I've seen him in many better movies than this, and he can act. But here, he was just the annoying mobster in the acid wash jean jacket. I didn't feel anything for his character or any of this. If it's not Japanese, I don't want to see it fighting. <laughs> it's kind of where I'm at.
2: And they do have that almost as often as we've seen the cop saying, I don't want to work with the partner. Have we seen two guys wrestling over a gun, the gun fires, which one got shot? The one with the Kevlar vest, but it just happened to go in the armpit.
0: Yeah, I thought that was (laughs) weird, because the the Punisher shoots him the first time, and he's got the vest on, and then this time it worked. Well, it went in the armpit, so it shot him in the heart through the arm yeah where all the vital organs are in the armpit well you can get to the heart from there <laughs> at least it wasn't the kid's gonna be the one you you hear the bullet it's neither one it's always like the bystander and i thought okay the kid got shot so i'm glad they didn't go there that's what i was really expecting
2: in the work print this actually plays totally differently because frank kills franco and then instead of the boy just pulling the gun The boy starts screaming, I'm going to come after you when I get old enough, I'm going to learn how to use a gun and I'm going to hunt you down. And the Punisher puts the gun in his hand, says, here's how you use it, puts it to his own head and puts his thumb on and he's going to make the kid pull the trigger. It's like the Punisher's committing suicide in this, which was a much stronger ending. It sounds a lot more in line with the Punisher that you've been talking about from the comics, Jacob, about how he's finally avenged his family's death and. He wants to die himself, and it's only when he hears Jake in the hallway that he comes out of it and decides he wants to live and keep on punishing
0: mobsters. I mean, there's always been speculation. Is this some elaborate suicide plan for the Punisher for after he loses his family? In a lot of ways, he felt responsible being, at least in the comics, being this decorated war hero. And then he wasn't able to protect his family. So, you know, I like the scene as it was in the movie. And maybe it would have played out better if I saw that work print. I think it's a great scene. It's a scene you need in this film. Yeah, The Punisher threatening little kids.
2: Well, he only threatens the kid at the very end, but at the beginning, the kid's threatening him, and he just – he wants the kid to blow his brains out. He wants to be punished now. And so
0: it added a lot
2: to the character. I'm sad they took that out. What they left in,
0: not as good. But I love how the Punisher threatens him. You know, grow up to be a good man, because if not, I'll be waiting. Like, for me, that's a Punisher moment. Like, he just threatened a 12-year-old kid that, yeah, you better be good, because if you're not, I will shoot you. Like, to me, there is the Punisher in a nutshell right there. I love that they went there, that he's willing to threaten a little kid.
3: How funny. My frame of reference for that was G.I. Joe, where you know how after they solved the world's problems and blew up some oil <laughs> tanker, they like would then go and teach a life lesson to a small child. It felt
0: <laughs> to you. That was a life lesson. <laughs> it
3: felt more patronizing, but I hear what you're saying now. Maybe I could see it with different eyes. That was knowing's half the battle for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like it was a knowing's half the battle moment, but maybe it was a life threatening moment. I, it's hard to tell.
2: You know, I didn't put so fine a point on it, but yeah, I took it as Stuart Santa Claus reference. It's basically, I'll know if you're sleeping, I'll know if you're awake, I'll know if you're a criminal, I'll fucking kill you. But then he has to go meditate naked in the sewer.
3: (laughs) And poor Lou is without his buddy. his heart ripped apart, crying at the top of the skyscraper. I feel for Lou. I feel for him in so many ways, because
2: it's only Iron Eagle movies after this. (laughs) (laughs) And WizardCon, I saw him in Chicago a few months ago. (laughs) How's he looking? Oh man, not so good. Oh, the mustache is gone. He's put on mm-hmm. about 50, 80 pounds. <laughs> he's aged. Well, it happens. Yeah. So, Mr. S, Mr. J, do you recommend Punisher? Jacob.
0: Look, if again, you ask 15 year old me. This movie sucks because he doesn't have a skull on watching it now. I'm more mature. I've watched a whole lot more movies and I can't hate this movie. I can't dislike it. Like I watched it a couple times since I was original viewing and I've come around to it. I feel that it's a comic book movie. It's not something that transcends the genre, but as a comic book movie or brings in that comic book aesthetic. We talked about the opening credits and the use of red at the end and even the plot elements. As a comic book fan and as a Punisher fan, I enjoy this film. If I'm flicking through the channels on a Saturday afternoon and this is on, I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch the whole movie. So it's not a strong recommend, but I enjoy the B-movie aspects of it, the harpoon zipline through the chest, and I do wish it was more violent, but I like the B-movie aspects of it, the pulp feel of it. So yeah, I'm going to give this a, a mild recommend.
2: Thank you. You now stand where I did during Daredevil and Fantastic Four too.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I recommended the first Fantastic Four.
2: It just feels so good that I'm not the only easy lay on the panel. <laughs>
0: Look, it's a Punisher <laughs> film. You know, I've already got one leg out of my pants for it, so. <laughs>
3: Stuart. You know what? I'm not going to recommend it. I'm sure that's not a surprise to many people, but it came close. It's going to get The Blade to not recommend. There are a lot of things about this that I like. The B-movie cheesiness overall vibe is actually working for it now. Maybe in 1989, it just made it look cheap, but now it makes it a fun, retro, kitschy thing that, yeah, that's like a real grindhouse Cuisinart of t- Taxi Driver, Godfather, and Enter the Dragon. I mean, that's fun to imagine. I want to play in that world. But what stops me from having fun in this movie, it comes down to one syllable. Dolph. Dolph (laughs) happened to this movie and there's just no saving it there's no saving a movie where you don't like the central person and Dolph's a killer here you know I never saw Rocky I know you guys are going to do it maybe he can redeem himself in Rocky 4 but I know this guy basically from the He-Man movie and this and he's poison I mean I just ugh, I cannot recommend Punisher 89 and it's strictly
2: because Dolph sucks as Punisher And I'm right there with you, Stuart. I am not totally anti-Dolph. I will reveal my thoughts on him in Rocky Four in a couple months. I thought he was fine in The Expendables. But, you know, you go to Universal Soldier, and he's the less charismatic of the two, right? I mean, ouch. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he's no Jean-Claude Van Damme. And that's kind (laughs) of a damning statement. I can't think of a more bruising insult. And I really wanted to like this film. And I started off very receptive to the film. Seeing Louis Gossett Jr. back was a happy moment. The problem is, and I think I showed my hand earlier, it just got dull with bullets flying and no connection to the characters honestly i would be really on the fence if they'd gone with the director's work print vision because i really like how they set up everything at the beginning how we're introduced to these early mobsters better how we get to see dolph act better i can't recommend the work print because it's temp score and it's not finished so it makes generation x look well done but if they'd gone with the work print cut i might have given this a recommend but as it stands Nothing in this action movie was exciting. And that is the damning blow. And you could have had the exact same movie with a different actor in the centerpiece. And maybe if I'd cared about that actor and that actor had shown different beats... During these scenes, I would have found them more enthralling. I might have felt the character was in danger and I might have gotten into it. By the same token, if Dolph was there in the center, but you had choreographers and better cinematographers and a better director to sell these scenes as exciting, that's fine. But I want to know how a film that has 91 on-screen kills can be dull. If you want to see the answer to that riddle, watch this Punisher. So no, not recommend. I'm going to call this phenomenon Dolph
3: Syndrome from now on. It's truly where everything else about the movie, as flawed as it is, is working. I'm that close to actually giving it a pass, but there is something just fatal in the central character that kills it. They just Dolph the movie. So as much as I'm sad that I can't recommend this movie, I'm actually encouraged, guys. I'm glad to be on this series because I feel like they can fix this you get the right actor we can go forward i can recommend a movie again in the marvel universe which i haven't done since x-men first class so i'm excited to see what happens next week i feel like there's a chance
2: yeah it is a redo it is an origin story it is the punisher and it's going to be now Plague's first travolta review
0: Oh wow. <laughs> yes. John Travolta in a Punisher movie. I never thought I'd hear that.
3: He's he's the Punisher? No. Oh, he's a villain! Yeah. Oh, weird. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes, indeed.
3: Well, I know I've seen a bit of this on cable here and there. I remember Roy Scheider being in it and being intrigued. So, sounds like they might be keeping some of the 70s vibe for sure. I'm game,
2: guys. I'm no longer disgruntled at all. Let's bring on the punch. All right. Well, Stuart, Jacob, thank you for joining me. To our listeners, remember, head to nowplayingpodcast.com right now. We are having a vote for our bonus donation series in the spring summer of next year so go and tell us which of the movie series be it men in black or spielberg's trilogy of e.t close encounters and war of the worlds you'd like us to review and then we'll be back next week with the punisher and until next time the guilty will be punished
1: I still talk to God sometimes. I ask him if what I'm doing is right or wrong. I'm still waiting for an answer. And until I get one, I'll be out here. Waiting. Watching. The guilty will be punished. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now playing Punisher movie retrospective series. That was fun. Now... Let's go kill Castle in this miserable hole. Part of our Marvel comic movie series. Turn the lights off when you leave. Don't punish yourself. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another Punisher film.
0: There's a limit to revenge. Well, I guess I haven't reached one.
1: And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics films, such as Howard the Duck, Man-Thing, Daredevil, Electra, the Blade series, the Fantastic Four series, X Men, and many more. We're gonna have ourselves a little bit of fun with this. Plus, we also have reviews of non comic series, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and others. Vaya con Dios, Castle. Go with God. God's gonna sit this one out. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss the Marvel movie films with other listeners.
3: No background checks, no problems.
1: You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. But the location's not the big story. Who'll be there, Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. He's asking for help, so let's help him. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website. NowPlayingPodcast.com What the fuck are you waiting for? Christmas? You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more.
2: Oh god, now I've got brains splattered
1: all over me. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. You don't get to shoot my husband in cold blood and then stuff at the ATM. NowPlaying's Punisher Retrospective series is edited by Arnie. He hasn't slept all week. How do you know? Because I haven't slept all week. Credits read by Brock. The tongue stretches further than most people
0: think. Ask your man how he's going to talk that shit when I pull it
2: from his mouth.
1: Now Playing is not affiliated with New World Pictures, Artisan Entertainment, or Lionsgate. The Marvel characters and all that the Marvel Universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Marvel Publishing Incorporated. And no infringement is intended. I want a lawyer. Well, you'll get your fucking lawyer. But no lawyer's gonna get you out of this one. You little piece of shit. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of vinganza Media, Incorporated.
2: This was a hard one. <sighs> this was the last one.
1: Now Playing, it's a Vinganza Media production. Copyright 2011, All rights reserved. You're leaving. I have work to do. Read your newspaper every day, you'll understand. Which section? Obituaries. Oh, for fuck's sake!
2: Today, we're going to have some fun reviewing The Punisher, Stalling Dolph Lundgren. Louis got to- Stalling? Stalling Dolph Lundgren? (laughs) That shouldn't be hard. He's been
3: pretty idle for a long time. (laughs) I give him a math problem. Actually, he's really smart. <laughs> Believe it or not, the guy's like a chemist or something like that. He
2: can't make, like... He was some a Fulbright scholar at MIT getting his doctorate when he turned to acting. So <laughs> how can he not know that he's a bad actor? <laughs> Reviewing The Punisher, stalling Dolph Lundgren. You did it again. <laughs> I said starring. Starring. No, you
3: did
2: said stalling.
3: You did.
2: Listen to the, listen to the tape. <laughs> it's true. Are we being recorded? <laughs>
0: It's always going to be the tape. I don't care how if it's digital.
2: <laughs> Reviewing the... <laughs> Take six.
1: <clears throat> oh, for fuck's sake.
0: He first debuted. Debuted? Yes, he first came out. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs>
0: around 2006, 2007 I believe, when Civil War, which was a big crossover event with Marvel, was going on there was no Punisher comic set in the Marvel Universe, and so they decided to bring him back into the Marvel Universe and Matt Fraction, who was writing it, just played up the absurdity of a character like the Punisher in a superhero world. Like, he pulls out a bazooka and just blows away Stiltman, who was a Daredevil villain just blows him away with the bazooka. Did he get Ben Affleck? <laughs> no, he missed Ben Affleck he missed Ben Affleck, and, and then in, in another issue, they all come to the wake for Stiltman, and the Punisher just blows up like every D and Z list villain in the Marvel universe. Like, if you had a character like this, here's what would happen: he would just kill them all. There wouldn't be these ongoing series, and that's one of the things with the Punisher. Anybody that's going to take out <laughs> Stiltman before he can get his own movie, <laughs> I like
3: this guy.
1: Oh, for fuck's
3: sake!
2: And until next time, the guilty will be punished.
3: Oh, you got to do it like
2: Dolph. The thing favorite be party. Wait, put some marbles in your mouth. <laughs> put Grace Jones' tit in your mouth. Is that an option? Because I'd like that, even at her current age.
0: <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake.
3: <laughs> yeah. The ones that drool over Sandy Duncan might be liking her, but I don't know. I think this girl has this two
2: real eyes. <laughs>
0: And and this is probably a... (laughs) Ouch. Oh, for fuck's sake.